Welcome to the Strong Mamas Podcast, where we're talking about our fitness and food choices as moms in real life and in light of our faith as Christ followers. I'm your host, Megan Dahlman, and together we'll be exploring what it means to be a healthy, strong mama in the middle of a culture that's obsessed with vanity. This podcast is all about helping and equipping you to take better care of yourself and the ones you love. Hey guys, welcome back to the Strong Mamas podcast. We're so glad you're here with us today and ready to press in, to learn, and to be inspired to take really good care of your bodies. Scott is back with me on the show today. Hey everybody. (laughs) If you don't know, Scott is my extraordinary co-host that also happens to be my husband for going on nearly 14 years now, if you can believe it. Holy smokes. And... I have to say, I'm going to give you a little shout out here. Here, You've been stepping up to the plate <laughs> these last couple of weeks and schooling the boys. <laughs> I know a lot of us are trying to figure out how to make sure that our kids are staying up with school and you've really taken the reins with that one and I really do appreciate it. We'll see how it turns out. I know. It could be scary in a few years. <laughs> anyway, okay. Today on this episode, we're going to get into the topic of stress eating and emotional eating and even not eating when we're stressed out. And I know that stress in general is just a very hot health topic right now, which we've definitely covered on the show before in other episodes, but let's get even more specific with it and figure out why we turn to food to comfort us, how to handle all those moments when we're just mindlessly munching kind of out of emotions and even how to build up our willpower over time. This is gonna be so good, you guys. I don't know, have you found yourself stress eating at all lately, Scott, with trying to do the kids and the homeschooling and all the craziness going on? I would say there's definitely more kind of mindless munching going on than I usually have. Yeah, I could say the same, actually. I will will admit that, too. (laughs) Right, now before we jump in, though, I have a major announcement that I'm crazy about, in case you did not hear. The Strong Mamas Coaching Program is open right now. So I had originally planned on opening up registration on April 17th, but just considering our stay-at-home and shelter-in-place situation, and knowing that so many of you need a clear plan of action right now, I decided to move up registration. So you now have the opportunity to come coach with me and experience an online fitness and nutrition coaching experience that's unlike anything else you can find online. Over the last three and a half years, the Strong Mamas Coaching Program has helped hundreds of women just like yourself get stronger and remarkably fit, learn healthy eating habits that last a lifetime, and gain a respect and appreciation for their bodies that they've never had before. Now, I want to read something that Chelsea said about the program because we often think that working on our fitness and nutrition is only ever geared towards losing weight and getting thinner, but that is so not the case. Chelsea came into the program and she's actually an ectomorph. And if you know about the different body types, which we've covered before on the podcast, Ectomorph is a body type that tends to be more slender and slim and actually has a hard time building muscle mass and keeping on healthy weight. And she shared her story with me. She said, I had always been told how skinny I am. People thought they were giving me a compliment, but after some time, it became my identity. 
I could never put on muscle and have that athletic appearance that I wanted. So I just accepted that I was the skinny girl. And underneath it all, I felt that if I didn't maintain my thin appearance, I would lose my identity, according to everyone else. And after having a baby, I wasn't exactly as skinny as before either. So my identity in that was gone. I just hated everything about my appearance. And this led to a long, unhealthy relationship with food and a horrible body image. But now I've never felt so liberated when it comes to my body. I've learned that my body type, which is an ectomorph, was designed by God. And that doesn't make it any less valuable than anyone else's. I have a better relationship with food, knowing that I'm using it to nourish my body and not make it look a certain way or maintain a certain weight. And I'm stronger than I've ever been before. Strong Mamas has helped shift the focus inward instead of outward. Since starting in September, I have seen huge changes in how I see myself and the women around me. This journey is not about our appearance. It is about being a good steward of the body God gave you so you can go and do anything he calls you to. My identity is in Christ. So friends, in a culture where progress is only as good as the number on the scale, you have to see that there's another way think that underneath all the weight loss journeys, there could be a desperately hurting individual that has no clue as to her real identity and perhaps even still hates herself. I need you to know that the Strong Mamas Coaching Program does it so differently. We care as much, if not more, about your heart as your physical body. So let's get you strong, let's get you healthy, but let's also get you to the point where you feel free and at peace in your own skin. So I'm excited to have you come join us. Registration is open right now. It only costs $1 to try it out for the entire first month and then can be as low as $15 per month after that. I just can't wait for you to finally experience strength, health, and peace in your body. Make sure to check the show notes for a direct link to join today. Okay, Scott, can you pass the chips? <laughs> I wish. I know. We should have like a bowl of chips here right so now. So they just hear crunch in the crunch, whole time? Crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah, that's what they want to listen to. <laughs> you guys, whenever I ask you what you need the most help with when it comes to your eating, it's usually somewhere along the lines of splurging somehow. Like maybe eating too many sweets or just eating junk food when you know you shouldn't be drinking caloric beverages, or overeating on junk food too. And honestly, I think it's safe to say that most of us know how we should be eating. We know what we're supposed to do. It's just a matter of doing it. And when we are stressed out, that matter of doing it becomes extremely difficult. That whole concept of knowing what you need to do, but having a hard time putting the rubber to meet the road, it totally reminds me of that kind of silly back and forth moment that Paul has in Romans when he's being totally honest with his readers about the struggle that he feels inside of himself. He says in Romans 7, 15 through 19, he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. <laughs> I've never felt that way before. You just feel like you're on this like cycle of like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I can't make it happen. And all the things I know I'm not supposed to do, those are the things I keep doing. What is wrong with me? Oh my gosh. And this is how we feel about food, right? 
And you can tell, you can really feel how exasperated Paul is about it all. And I know that we totally feel the same way. And the struggle, it really is a battle of the wills, right? It's kind of our sinful, rebellious, selfish nature butting up against the will of God and his righteous nature within us that gives us the desire to do what is good. So we have this pull coming from one side of doing the bad thing and then this other pull of wanting to do the good thing. And it's just like, what? When you're saying that, I'm picturing all the old TV tropes of the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder, both trying to pull you in one direction or the other. That's exactly what it is, but it's kind of more on the inside. And so often we can totally throw our hands up and say, I'm just a mess. Why can't I just figure this out and do the right thing? And Paul totally felt the same way. He was just so frustrated with himself, but he really hit the nail on the head when he explained the solution. Later on in Romans 7, he said, what a wretched man that I am. Who's going to rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we have that going for us, which is awesome. (laughs) God's going to deliver us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, which is awesome. Just that little thing. Just that. And right now, especially, but at so many other times, I feel like our stress eating or what often just feels like emotional eating can seem like such a mess. We know we're not supposed to do it. We know it's going to make us feel terrible and perhaps even jeopardizes our progress, but we can't stop ourselves in the heat of the moment. And this is that kind of battle of the wills of going back and forth of, I know what I'm supposed to do. I don't need to be educated on what I should be eating. I know what I should be eating. It's just in these highly stressful kind of high pressure moments, I can't follow through. Well, when you're stressed, you don't make good decisions in general. Yeah. So... When it comes to stress eating or emotional eating, I kind of bracket it kind of in the same category. I feel like they're the same. It's turning to food when we're feeling stressed out or emotional, right? I see three different problems that happen. And the first problem is that in the middle of stress, we like to use food for comfort. So food becomes our comforting, like our comfort blanket, right? We even have food that we call comfort food. Yeah, (laughs) comfort foods. We turn to food to comfort us. And you know what's not a comfort food? Salad. (laughs) I feel so comforted when I eat my salad. The second problem is that we mindlessly eat food when we're stressed out. Like we just kind of turn our brain out because we don't want to think anymore. So we find ourselves mindlessly eating when we're stressed. And that usually leads to overeating. And then the third problem, which doesn't seem as obvious as the other two problems, is not eating at all when you're feeling anxious and stressed. Maybe you skip meals. Maybe you don't want to eat. So we're going to talk about that too a little bit. So the first problem, the comfort food, the consciously using food for comfort. This one I think that we're all aware of. We all have experienced this in our lives, if not yesterday, probably today, probably recently. (laughs) And I think we we obviously know it's wrong even in the moment, but we just don't care. I think it's because we have a, a whole handful of attitudes in that moment of like the I deserve this attitude or I'm exhausted and this thing is gonna help me feel better or make me feel better. 
There's also the attitude of like, I need a break and this food is going to distract me for a bit and make me feel good. We can also have like the I don't care attitude about it. Like I know what I'm doing, but I don't really care at all right now. And we can often in that moment just feel like our willpower is completely gone. And I feel like in the situation that we're in right now, if people are listening to this podcast later, we are right in the heat of the COVID quarantine. Yeah. We're right in the middle of it right now. And I know at least for me, I found myself sometimes with things going, oh, well, I'll worry about this after this is all over. Right now, I'm just going to do what I need to do to get through. Yeah. And that can apply to a lot of different things, but I think especially with something like our nutrition, because it's really easy to be like, oh, I'll be eating the things I need to, but right now I just need to survive. So I'm going to do what gives me a little bit of comfort so I can survive this time. Well, and honestly, I've seen people like even from the Christian community say, hey, don't set high expectations on yourself. Like, Don't listen to everybody that's telling you to step it up and make good choices and just survive. It's like, I I understand where that's coming from. However, if you're turning to food as a comfort right now, what's going to say that that habit is going to stop after this whole stressful situation? You're probably going to create a habit, a long-term habit, that's going to be really, really difficult to break. And also, as we're going to get in further in this episode, food should never be your source of comfort anyway. So if that's what you're turning to for comfort right now, then that is a big problem. And that shouldn't be how you're handling the situation at the moment. And like you said, I mean, when we turn to food to comfort us, it's not going to be a salad. (laughs) It's never celery sticks and like quinoa salad, right? It's almost always processed food, things like candy bar or chips or cereal or I don't know. What else do people turn? Popcorn, maybe candy, ice cream, ice cream, drink. That's another comfort food that we could probably put in that category, a caloric beverage. Foods that have been processed have usually been designed to kind of give you the maximum stimulus so that you'll eat more of it and buy more of it. Processed foods typically are very calorie dense. They're usually really high in sugar and high in fat. They're also intensely flavored. So processed food usually tries to deliver all of those really strong flavor hits. So they might have a lot of artificial flavor enhancers added, lots of salt, lots of fat, sugar, things just added to create a certain texture. Also processed food usually has to be immediately delicious from that very first bite. It's not like celery where you're like, I'm going to keep at it and maybe I'll start liking it by the (laughs) third one. (laughs) No, celery is like, what can I put on this that I enjoy eating? (laughs) No, processed food, it usually tastes really great from the very first bite. If you have a potato chip, you're like, oh, immediate delight, right? And it didn't take anything for you to do either. I think that's really big because celery, I actually have to cut up and put something on, wash it and put something on it. And that's three steps. Three really easy steps, but when I want something, I could also open a bag of Doritos. And go to town. And I don't know what kind of crack they put in the nacho cheese Dorito (laughs) powder. Yeah. But that stuff to me is the exact definition of what you've laid out here. Oh, yeah. I mean, what they've put in it is artificial flavor enhancers. They've added things to create a certain texture. There's certain 
there's multiple stimuli going on. It has to be easy to eat too. It also needs to be something where there's not a ton of effort involved when you're eating it. So that's why things like chips and candy and bready items, you know, the carby items, they're just really easy to eat. It doesn't take a lot of work, like you said, also to open it up and get going. Another thing, go ahead. (laughs) Now I actually want a chip. That's what's funny about this (laughs) is that I'm not even a chip guy. Like that's not a weakness for me at all. I don't even like chips that much. But just this idea of talking about it and the flavors and the textures. amazing, the the mental control it has over us. Exactly. And how we just recognize how desirable something like that is. Even something that's not a big temptation for me generally. Yeah. And so usually these are the types of foods that we turn to when we're looking for comfort food. And even if it's something that's like homemade, it usually hits a lot of those value those qualities also you know usually very calorie dense it's usually really intensely favored you know a ton of cheese a lot of fat a lot of salt a lot you know it just blasts our mouth with flavor and that's what we go to for comfort why do we feel like this works in those situations when we're stressed out and we want just food to comfort us because it kind of does it does that's the thing So these maximum stimulus foods, they actually trigger the brain to feel pleasure. And they actually, they they trigger all those happiness sensors in your brain and those sensors of like feeling rewarded and just content. In those moments when we're eating all that food, our brain is getting those sensations. So it does work. It does comfort us in that moment. So you're not going crazy that, oh, if I open a bag of chips, I feel better. You probably do feel a little bit better. But the problem is that over time, highly processed, ultra-stimulating foods like this can seriously alter our food pleasure sensors. Like they start to get distorted. And they can kind of make a mess of the whole hunger, fullness, hormonal feedback loop that our body was designed to have. And they even make it so that your brain needs even more stimuli to feel the same amount of pleasure. And it's kind of like if you compare like a really plain potato chip. I mean, that's still delightful, just a plain potato chip versus the one that you're thinking of, the one where the flavors just smack you in the face. You kind of need something like that to stimulate your senses now. And you find yourself just needing to eat more, sometimes even of the same thing, to get the same sensation. So not only are you needing something that's even more processed or more flavor-packed, but you also need more amounts of it. And that's how we can find ourselves overeating things. I mean, what's crazy, and I don't think we're going to dive this far into it, but everything you just described describes addiction to anything. That's very true. Where you start with a small amount and you get a certain feedback from it and then it takes more and continually Mm -hmm. takes more and more and more. And we know that eating can become an addiction. Not going to go down that road today, but I think it's important to realize that those are the kinds of things that go on in your brain, which is why we seek food when we're stressed out. There really is a feedback loop that gets created and it can intensify and intensify over time where you finally get convinced that that might be your only way to feel comfort or the only way that you can be not stressed in the moment is by eating and eating very particular foods. 
those ultra processed, sugary, high fat, not so good for you foods. And that's where a lot of us have gotten over time, especially in this situation where we're all so incredibly stressed out. We feel like I can't wind down or I can't relax. I need to eat this food right now to just make myself feel better. Now, the second problem that we have is also subconsciously eating because the first one was very much consciously eating food to make you feel better, deliberately turning to it as a comfort mechanism. But the other side of the coin is subconsciously eating or what I like to call mindless eating. And this one definitely can lead to overeating because we ultimately just turn our brain off. We kind of want to stop thinking and just eat without thinking about it. So, I mean, with this one, we're ultimately doing the same thing as the first problem, right? We're turning to food to comfort us, to make us feel better, but we're just totally unaware of it. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss, right? You're completely ignorant to what's going on. And I think at the same, in those moments, a lot of those same pleasure sensations are still happening, which is why we keep going and we continue to eat and eat and eat because you're still, your body, your brain is still receiving these pleasure sensations from the food. Subconsciously eating like this or mindlessly munching, we know it's wrong. (laughs) We know that we shouldn't do it. And usually after the fact, we end up feeling guilty. I mean, how many times have you sat there watching a movie or maybe at five o'clock in the evening, just like munching on chips and salsa and you've shut your brain off. You don't want to think anymore. You're like, I'm just going to eat it. And then after the fact, you're like, that was not a good idea. (laughs) What did I just do now that the bag is gone? (laughs) But why do we do this? Why do we mindlessly munch? I think the first thing is if it's available. Yeah, it's hard not to uh, eat a full bag of chips if you don't have chips in the cupboard. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, when you have a bag of chips open on the counter and it's there, It just happens to be, and you just keep passing it by. If it's available, like it's so easy to just mindlessly grab it. But I'm only eating like four or five chips at a time. At a time, after you go back to It's not cumulative, right? I think another reason why we do this to ourselves is that we're just really not paying attention because we're very distracted by everything else that's requiring our attention. When you're stressed out, there's a lot that's requiring your attention. There's a lot to think about. You're trying to handle and juggle a lot of situations. When it comes to eating, you kind of just want to turn your brain off and you don't want to think about it. So we're pretty, pretty darn distracted by everything else going on. I think it's also habit. Sometimes we mindlessly munch just because we have a habit of grabbing food here and there and not even thinking about what we're putting in our mouth. I know as moms, it's really easy for us to grab the leftovers off of our kids' plates, whatever they didn't finish eating. And at one point we decided, oh, I can't let that go to waste. And so over time, we've turned it into this mindless eating habit and it almost comforts us in that situation or we're not paying attention to the fact that we're doing it because we're just stressed out in general. And another reason why I think we subconsciously eat is because our willpower is just simply gone. It's non-existent anymore. We don't have the discipline, the self-control to say no in that moment or make a better choice in that moment. With subconsciously eating or mindless eating, it's usually very processed foods as well. 
and which is why you end up continuing to eat bite after bite without paying attention because it's really easy food to eat. And usually portion sizes kind of blend together. <laughs> I mean, think about how many serving sizes are in a bag of chips. A few. A lot. <laughs> but when you're sitting there just with the whole bag open, it's not, I, nobody portions out one serving, closes up the bag and just eats that one serving. It's easy to just keep going with foods that tend to be really processed. Same with like a pot of mac and cheese. (laughs) And I'm bringing that one up because that's one I actually struggle with a lot. Occasionally we'll make the boys like mac and cheese for dinner and I'll just sit there at the pot and just eat a few bites and a couple bites turns into four, turns into five, turns into 10. Because bites out of the pot don't count. Because they don't count. Because you never put it on a plate. And because it's so easy to eat, there's so much convenience to it. And the flavor and the sensations there are just really, really high. There's a lot of stimulus. So it's really highly palatable. It's really enjoyable. And you can easily eat it even if you're super distracted. Like even if you have other stuff going on, even if you're thinking about a lot of other things and there's a lot on your plate, highly processed food It's easy to eat it and just keep eating it when you're totally distracted. I mean, I find it quite rare for someone to sit there mindlessly stuffing cauliflower in their mouth. (laughs) I mean, imagine that. You have a plate of cauliflower on the kitchen counter or veggies in general. It's pretty rare for someone to sit there and just mindlessly munch on those. And it is so much about the extra flavorings that are on there. And one of the best examples I heard is... I don't know how many of you have had raw almonds. Yeah. Just like raw Plain, regular almonds. Nothing done to them. Eat a few of those and you're like, Meh. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> then there's the smokehouse almonds. Mm-hmm. The, those are my favorite. Man, one handful, two handfuls, three handfuls. Before you know, you've eaten a ton of almonds without the same level of satisfaction because you just keep wanting that salty smokiness. Oh, yeah. So why do we feel like subconsciously eating works? Like, why do we feel like it works for when we're stressed out? Once again, even if we're unaware of it, our pleasure sensors in our brains are definitely being triggered. So even if we've completely shut our brain off in the moment and we're just mindlessly eating food and just putting it in our mouth, our pleasure sensors are still being stimulated. We're still getting a sense of satisfaction over what's going in our mouth. Also, just it can feel it can feel like a mechanical action that's just really familiar and the familiarity of that action of just putting food in our mouth and chewing, that feels comforting to us in the moment. So even if we're just mindlessly shoving food down the gullet, that's a mechanical action that feels in its own way comforting. This is often the case with drinking, and you and I have talked about it a lot. Like, it just feels super awkward to show up at a party or in a social situation when you don't have something in your hand and you don't have the mechanical action of just sipping on a drink. You know, it just feels really awkward. It's kind of like this habitual, almost comforting physical activity. Mm Mm-hmm food and eating mindlessly becomes this just mechanical action that we do and we don't really realize what's going on. So that's the second problem with stress eating. It's just that subconscious style eating. Now the third problem 
is not eating at all when you're stressed. And this is the exact exact opposite of the first two problems, but it certainly happens. This isn't this doesn't happen with a lot of people. And I know that if you struggle with stress eating, like those first two things we mentioned, this third one, you're like, man, I wish that was my problem. <laughs> Sounds absurd. <laughs> but I've had clients before that actually find that during stressful seasons, they end up losing a bunch of weight, not healthy, just because they simply don't eat when they're super stressed out. And I know that you experience this too, Scott, especially with traveling, because traveling is really stressful for you. Yeah, so I struggle with anxiety and travel anxiety, and luckily I get to travel for work, so I get to, <laughs> to deal with this. But um, I've learned how to deal with it in a lot of ways, but one thing I continually struggle with is I just have no appetite. Yeah. When I start to get that stress onset, I don't want to eat or drink anything. And so it's really difficult, especially when you're going out with people and a lot of my travel revolves around entertaining and having meals with people and you just don't want to eat. It's really a difficult thing. And I know it sounds super counterintuitive to most people out yeah. there, but it's a thing. I mean, I can't relate. <laughs> But I know there's a lot of days where you'll be traveling and you'll tell me I haven't eaten all day. Like this is my first meal of the day and it'll be like six o'clock in the evening and you're not intermittent fasting. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely an issue. So when extremely, and there's a couple actual physiological things that take place that can cause this situation to happen for people. So when you're stressed out or extremely stressed out, Your adrenal glands produce those fight or flight hormones. We've talked about those a lot before. It's that adrenaline and cortisol, and those go throughout your body and kind of interact with a bunch of other hormones, just triggering things, like triggering that heightened ready to fight or ready to flight sense. And this has an impact on the way that our gut feels and just our appetite in general. Like you, I mean, we might completely lose our appetite and have our hunger sensors in our brain kind of all out of whack and have no desire to eat or maybe forget to eat altogether just because we don't get that normal cyclical input of hunger cue. Another thing that happens is that sometimes your stomach might even hurt and feel like it's full of knots. So all of those stress hormones pumping through your system can maybe give you that GI stress, that GI distress, and and cause a lot of issues with your actual gut. Also, when you're stressed out, eating can sometimes feel like too much work. (laughs) You have that decision fatigue, like we've talked about before. You're handling a lot of situations. You're having to think through scenarios. You're juggling a lot. There's just a lot going on. And trying to come up with a meal and making a meal just feels like one more thing to figure out and it feels easier and less stressful to just not eat. Even when you're traveling, I know that's probably one factor is that when you're on the go and you're in different airports and going here and there, it's tricky to find a place to get something healthy to eat and it's sometimes just more convenient to not eat at all. Or to just go the least common denominator and have a cliff bar or a bowl of cereal or something that's super basic and doesn't contain what I need it to have, but Mm -hmm. it feels like it's better than nothing. We can easily get just too distracted by the craziness of life and forget to eat. And sometimes that happens until it's too late. (laughs) 
if it's too late, usually it can turn into another of this, another one of the stress eating problems that we mentioned before, where now you're extremely hungry and you're overstressed and now you're making some poor food choices because of it. So once again, in this situation, our willpower to do the right thing in the moment is completely gone. So we've got these three main problems with stress eating. So now let's talk about some good solutions. And I think it's important to start with talking about willpower for a moment, because with each of those problems with stress eating, it kind of comes back to that willpower piece of your willpower is just gone, it's just dead, right? Part of the reason this is also challenging is because our willpower to do what is good and right can definitely become completely drained especially when we're overwhelmed and we have a lot going on when we have when we're stressed out. So there's a metaphor that I like to use that makes a lot of sense to me and it's a battery metaphor and some of my coaching clients they've heard this before. But basically your your willpower is similar to a battery. You start your day with your battery being fully charged. And then every time you have to make a decision, a decision of the wills, you have to make a right decision, a good decision, go against a bad decision. Every time you make a decision, it draws a little bit off of your battery. By the end of the day, usually that's when it hits us, our willpower is completely gone. We have nothing left in that willpower battery. Now we can make our batteries bigger with practice. We all have slightly different sized willpower batteries. Some of us have tiny little AAA batteries, like our willpower is gone by 10 (laughs) a.m. We have no capacity anymore throughout the remainder of the day to make a good choice. While others of us have D-sized batteries, we've been practicing willpower for years and we've been using making, we've been using strategies to make good choices in a heated moment or in the heat of the battle and now over time, our willpower battery has gotten larger and larger. All of these strategies that we're gonna go into are going to help increase the size of your willpower battery every time you use it, okay? But you have to practice it. You have to practice these strategies. You need to find yourself exactly in the challenging situation. You know, that 10 a.m. moment when everybody is swinging off the chandeliers and everything is too overwhelming and stressful and all you want to do is hide in the pantry and eat a bag of chips. That's the moment to practice it, to practice one of these strategies. Your willpower does not go from a tiny AAA battery to a gigantic D battery overnight just with enough like strong conviction about it. Like I'm gonna have a lot of willpower today. I'm gonna muster it up. It doesn't work that way. You have to practice these strategies, okay? Does that make sense, the battery metaphor? Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how big my battery is. And I think it varies from day to day. Sometimes it feels like a watch battery and other times it feels like a car battery. That's the thing too, and I think a lot of that depends on how what's the overall stressful circumstances of your day. And have you had a whole string of stressful days in a row? Are you slowly draining that battery over time? And I think another part of it also is just that the more you're able to utilize your willpower, the more you're able to make good decisions, just the easier it kind of becomes. Exactly. And the opposite. The more you're willing to just kind of go, "Uh, I don't want to stand up to that today. I'm just going to give in. I'm going to give in. That becomes habitual just as well. 
you can prove to yourself over time that you are capable of making those healthy decisions in the heat of the moment. And in those moments, that willpower, your capacity to make that good choice is going to expand and help you the next time you encounter that same situation. So that's why I say you got to practice this stuff. So the first thing, I want you to start noticing clues about your stress eating scenarios. Notice the triggers, first of all. Are there things triggering your stress? Is it a difficult child? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Is it work? Yes. Yes. Is it when you feel overwhelmed about managing the house? Yes. <laughs> Is it when you're thinking about your finances? Does that trigger you? What could be setting you off? What are the things that trigger your stress eating? I also want you to notice if it's a social problem, if the stress eating is a social problem. Is it always happening with the same people? Do other people around you use food to handle their stress and end up encouraging you to do the same? That's a good insight (laughs) because you might have a spouse that handles their stress with food and you're trying really hard not to. And that's going to be a really difficult situation. Not impossible, but it definitely makes it more difficult. Or maybe you get stressed around certain people. Is that another trigger? Is certain people that you're with? Maybe certain people you're sitting in quarantine with. (laughs) So your stress eating becomes this social problem. I also want you to notice the timing. I think stress eating is very cyclical and it's very time related, right? I know for myself it is. Oh, definitely. I mean, is it always occurring at the same time of day? For most people, it usually does. It could be like five o'clock in the evening when you're just completely exhausted and you're just done. You're done with work, you're done. Could be right after bedtime when the kids go to bed. I know that is for me. I mean, my big weakness isn't necessarily stress eating, but I very much enjoy beer. Yeah. So a caloric beverage. And it's pretty easy for me to make it most of the way through the day, but you put the boys down at eight o'clock. And that's a huge struggle to put them down. And you just feel like you're totally (sighs) out of it. And it's really tempting to grab one. Yeah. And notice, so noticing the timing, notice when this happens to you the most. That's really, really key to be able to overcome it. And then notice if it's always with certain foods. Chances are it is. This is usually, this usually has to do with the mindless eating thing too. When you're stressed, like if you mindless eat is always with a particular type of food. Like when a certain food shows up and if you're already stressed, do you normally just turn your brain off and go bonkers around that type of food? Just notice what type of foods this is usually happening with. So see if you can clearly identify all those circumstances that are leading you to stress eat or not eat at all. Okay, so notice. That's what you have to do first. Just start to notice. And then I want you to try these tricks or strategies to work on overcoming the emotional eating tendencies, okay? And just remember that whenever you use one, it's just one of these strategies, and each time you use one of these, your willpower reserve is going to grow. Each time, you're gonna get better at it. Step one, this is your first strategy, and this one is super important. You need to start out by making sure that you have certain non-negotiable eating habits in place. Establish meals and certain ingredients for each meal as just being non-negotiable. This is really important for someone that tends to not eat when they're stressed out or someone who tends to skip meals and then find themselves in between meals mindlessly munching on foods. Like make sure that eating produce and protein, eating your pros, like that needs to be non-negotiable at each meal. 
eating meals, not skipping meals, that also needs to be non-negotiable. So make sure you're starting from a place of having good eating habits to begin with. And then on top of that, every time you do eat, let's make sure that you're eating enough at those meals so that you're nicely full and satisfied. Often our stress eating can happen because we are just hungry. (laughs) (laughs) It took you this long in the podcast to get to that. You might just be eating because you're hungry. You could be hungry. (laughs) And let me just say, when you're hungry, your ability to make a really healthy choice in the moment not gonna happen it's not gonna be there yeah it's gonna be really difficult so at every meal eat enough don't eat like a bird where you eat a little bit of protein and a little bit of produce and expect yourself to have willpower to make a good choice and between now and the next meal so eat enough so that you feel full and satisfied we're definitely too far away from meal time to be having this conversation i'm right feeling now. my I'm hunger cues really hungry I'm feeling my hunger cues. (laughs) Okay, number three, the third strategy I want you to try. I call this the not yet game. I want you to play the not yet game with yourself. This is when you find yourself in that moment where you're like, I could just sit here and mindlessly munch on these things. Or I could reach for something, that normal comfort food. But not yet. I'm not going to try to have to say no to it altogether. I'm going to go do something else first, or I'm going to go eat a healthy thing first, and then I'm going to wait and see if I still want that thing. This could even apply to a portion size, like maybe pizza. That's a good comfort food. Yes, it is. Habitually, or maybe mindlessly munching, you might end up accidentally eating three or four pieces play the not yet game here too. Just say, I'm going to have a smaller portion. I'm going to have just one or two pieces. And then I'm just going to wait and see if I still want that third or fourth piece. So just saying not yet, just putting a pause, putting the brakes on can be really, really effective for keeping you clear minded in the moment. In those moments too, when you're, when you find yourself turning to food, see if you can use some other coping mechanisms. So that's kind of ultimately what we're using food for is to cope. (laughs) And another great coping mechanism could be to simply get up and be active. If you've determined that hunger is not the issue, like, okay, I don't actually need to eat right now. I'm just trying to cope and use food to cope. Get up and move. Get up and be active. Go grab your foam roller and roll. Do a yoga flow. Get outside. Go for a walk move around your house, go play with the kids. Just moving your body can change the dynamic inside your body and actually trigger some other happy hormones that make you feel joy in that moment, which is the feeling and the sensation you were hoping to get from food. Another coping mechanism that you can use is just walking away from the vicinity of the food. Leave the kitchen. Move away. Go think about this somewhere else. Go think about it somewhere else. Don't sit in the middle of the kitchen and try to come up with willpower in that moment. Move away from the vicinity of that food. Another coping mechanism can be to connect with a friend. Call a friend. Text a friend. Use your lifeline. (laughs) Whatever you need to do to get your mind off of food at the moment. Because once it starts, once that stress eating trigger begins, it's hard to break that train of thought. So using other coping mechanisms for your stress in the moment is really helpful too. So number five then is just eliminating certain foods altogether from your house. 
especially the ones that you really struggle with self-control. For me, it, it is that bag of chips. I really struggle. If a bag of chips is open on the counter, I will keep going back for more. I cannot stop myself. So the strategy then is whenever we go to the grocery store, I, I don't buy chips. I just don't buy chips. We don't keep them in the house. It's not something that normally enters my cart. We have them on very rare occasions, usually if we just go camping. And even then, I still struggle with not mindlessly eating them. But figure out what your foods are and simply try to just get them out of the house. Number six, another thing that you can do is slow down long enough to remind yourself how you're going to feel if you eat certain things. This is bringing mindfulness back into the picture. This is beginning to use your intuition. So stop and ask yourself, okay, if I do this, am I actually going to feel comforted? Am I actually going to feel at peace? How is my body going to feel in 10 minutes, in 20 minutes, in an hour? Just stopping and thinking through how you will feel after you eat this can be very powerful in the moment too. Number seven, make some tea. (laughs) Scott's like, dang it, I don't like tea. I don't. I've tried. I've tried a thousand times. I don't. (laughs) If you like tea, make yourself some tea. Now this, it doesn't have to be tea, you guys, okay? Honestly, this comes back to that just mechanical action of putting something in your mouth, okay? I don't think it was a total mistake or it was mean that God designed us to feel comfort and have some pleasure when we consume food and beverages. I think it's normal to feel kind of happy when you're eating and mechanically putting things in your mouth. It's just that what we usually turn to in those moments are completely unhealthy things. So sometimes a good coping mechanism is to have a substitute option for those moments. So perhaps something to sip on that doesn't have any calories. Something that can still give you flavor and enjoyment and those like sensations, but in a way that's actually helpful and healthy for your body. Make some tea (laughs) or munch on a plate of vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight, go to bed. (laughs) I'm in. Yeah. Sometimes we're just tired and we're bored and we actually just need to get up off the couch, leave the situation and just go to bed. So often we're, we eat and stressy because we're just tired and we really just need some sleep. If you tend to stressy in the evenings, maybe it's better for you to just go to your room go to bed don't take the chips with you don't take the chips with you nobody wants crumbs in bed no 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 you can make some tea if you want but just go to bed and i would say going back to the tea thing for a minute even if it's not tea sometimes it's just drinking water yeah. i find a lot of times that i think i'm hungry but what i actually am is thirsty I haven't been drinking enough water, and so it's easy to fall in the trap of, oh, i got to eat something, I'm really hungry, when really, just drink a glass of water and go from there. You just might be thirsty. That's a very good point, yeah. Now, finally, you guys, this one is probably the most important. (laughs) When you find yourself in a moment that you are inclined to stress eat or overeat or mindlessly munch, stop and pray. Okay, and even read scripture and even recite a verse that you have memorized. We have to recognize that God is the one that can truly give you the deep, lasting comfort that you really desire. 
not those like artificial flavor enhancers and the the bag of chips that give us that like punch of flavor recognize that it's it's him that gives us the comfort and he wants us to turn to him for comfort not to food so some verses that you can use you can memorize these ones if you want that will help remind you of this one of my favorites is Deuteronomy 31.8. It says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Another one that I like, and I think a lot of us are familiar with it, is Psalm 23.4. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then finally, Psalm 119.76, it says, May your unfailing love be my comfort, according to your promise to your servant. So this is just highlighting that our comfort is coming from God's unfailing love, from his guidance, from his peace, from his nature. Use these verses to cling to in those moments that you'd habitually and have naturally over years turn to food to comfort you and just recognize that unless you turn to him, you probably won't feel that deep sense of comfort and stress relief like you want to. Now, finally, I also want you to recognize that one of the gifts that he freely gives us through his Holy Spirit alive inside of us is the gift of self-control and self-discipline. And often we overlook this and forget to tap into this. It's pretty amazing because honestly, what we feel is that lack of willpower or that lack of self-control and self-discipline. But recognize that when we feel like our own self-control has completely run out and we have zero willpower left, and zero discipline left, and all we want to do is just eat our sorrows away, don't forget that he has given you the fullness of his own self-control. That's a big deal. So you don't have to rely on your own willpower, your own self-control to handle those situations. In those moments, you can turn to him and say, give me more of yours because I'm out. <laughs> I've run out. I can't have discipline in this area anymore. Galatians 5, and 23 says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't forget that, you guys. That's one of the fruits that he gives us. Dealing with stress eating behaviors and emotional eating tendencies is super challenging. We're not going to candy coat it. (laughs) But hopefully talking through the situation, understanding the different types of problems that there are, whether you struggle with using food as your comfort mechanism, whether you struggle with just mindlessly eating, turning your brain off when you feel stressed out and just putting food in your mouth, whether you struggle with not eating when you're stressed out, when you know that you should be eating, all of these problems, they have a solution. And just by implementing these strategies, over time, your willpower is going to grow. You're going to feel like you can handle it better. And you're going to prove to yourself that you are capable of having discipline and self-control in the heat of the moment. All right, guys, that is all that we have time for today. I know that today was kind of a long one, but I also know that this is a topic that so many of you guys truly do struggle with. So hopefully this was helpful for you and you feel a little bit more prepared. 
Don't forget the Strong Mamas coaching program is open right now for registration. Make sure to look at the show details. There's a link there where you can find out more all about the program, all the details about the program, and even join today. Thanks again for joining us today, you guys. And until next week, we'll talk to you later.